the old pilot's plain tales, lest we forget. Had I been alive and living in my home on the 15th of April some 78 years ago, I expect that I would have been rudely awoken by the sound of an aircraft crashing a little less than 500 yards from where I live, around half a kilometre away. It was in the early pre-dawn, around 5 o'clock in the morning, that pilot officer Richard Price Hughes crashed his aircraft on the heathland near my house in Lys Forest. Born in 1906 to parents who were from the village of Shavington cum Gretzi, near Crewe in Cheshire, England, they were living in Argentina at the time on a cattle ranch near Buenos Aires. Richard and his cousin George grew up working the ranch with their families and learned to fly light aircraft as a way to cover the long distances over the South American pampas. When Britain declared war on Germany, many men from around the world declared themselves ready to fight for their mother country, including Richard and George. Richard went to the British Embassy in Buenos Aires and offered his service to the RAF, but he was told he was too old to join as a pilot. Undaunted, he and his cousin and some other expatriates left South America to travel the not inconsiderable distance to Canada, where the restrictions were thought to be easier to circumvent. Richard joined the Royal Canadian Air Force on October the 17th, 1940, in Ottawa, Ontario. He completed his training as a bomber pilot and, leaving his lovely wife and two children in Argentina, he set sail to fight the Nazis. On arriving safely on British soil, Richard was trained to fly the Handley Page Halifax, a four-engined heavy bomber. Although considered a poor relation to the Lancaster, the Halifax was heavily used by Bomber Command and they were kept on operations until the very end of the war. At its peak strength, Bomber Command operated a total of 76 Halifax-equipped squadrons. Although some had a poor opinion of the aircraft, the Hercules-engined machines had lower loss rates and higher crew survival rates after abandoning than the Lancasters, and the Halifax came very close to the Lancaster's speed and altitude performance. In June 1942, after the first 1,000 bomber raid on Germany, Arthur Harris, the AOCNC of Bomber Command, wrote to the builder of the Halifax and stated, My dear Handley Page, we much appreciate your telegram of congratulations on Saturday night's work, the success of which was very largely due to your support in giving us such a powerful weapon to wield. Between us, we will make a job of it. Richard had been posted to No. 10 Squadron Royal Air Force, which had been formed at Farnborough 
1915, and when flying Whitley's, became the first RAF unit to undertake operational sorties over Berlin in World War II. In 1941, they had converted to the Halifax. Flying out of Leeming in Yorkshire, the squadron was regularly involved in operations against Europe and Scandinavia. At the ripe old age of 33, and amongst so many very young crews, Richard was considered a bit of an old man, but he was determined to play his part. During the war, Bomber Command would fly a total of 364,000 operations, during which 8,325 aircraft would be lost. From a total of 125,000 aircrew who were in the command, 46%, that's 57,205, would perish. Although well past the average age of 21 for a crew member, Richard was far from the oldest. Pilot Officer Sir Arnold Wilson A former lieutenant colonel in the Indian Army was 56 when he was killed whilst flying as a rear gunner on Wellingtons, whereas the youngest was Flight Sergeant Edward Wright of the Royal Canadian Air Force, killed aboard an Avro Lancaster at 16. Squadrons would normally be given the task of dispatching between 12 and 25 aircraft on a night attack, and at least one of their crews would usually fail to return for every two night operations. Despite this, it was quite normal for squadrons to lose multiple crews on a single night, and on several occasions some squadrons lost five or six of their crews in a single night. Their crew were committed to a tour of 30 operational flights, and the most dangerous were the first and the last five. The average before becoming an unwelcome statistic was nine, and on the 15th of April 1942, Richard Hughes was flying his ninth operation. He was in his usual Halifax Mark II, Zulu Alpha Gulf, on an operation to bomb the factories of Dortmund, Germany. With him were his crew, a Kiwi, Pilot Officer Ganderton, and Sergeants Atkinson, Tyson, Triggle, Stubbly and Trembath. Reports of their mission vary, but it appears that they might have had a problem finding their target and spent a while in the area until they successfully disgorged their load of explosives and headed for home. This left them uncomfortably short of fuel, and in addition, accounts have them struggling home on only two engines, with the other two on fire after they'd been engaged by the enemy. Unable to reach their home base of Leeming, some 250 miles to the north, Richard circled his crippled aircraft and ordered his crew to bail out. One by one, they abandoned the Halifax and dropped into the darkness below, until Richard was left alone at the controls. He began to lose height, spiralling slowly downwards, perhaps looking for a place to crash land, or, more likely, 
he had finally left the cockpit to try and get to an escape hatch. Before he could reach safety, the big bomber stalled and then span downwards, hitting the ground in an open area near the village of Lys Forest. His crew had all escaped the doomed aircraft safely, but Richard died in the wreckage. In the meantime, Richard's cousin, Flight Lieutenant George Hughes, was serving with Number 105 Squadron, RAF, famous for flying the Bristol Blenheim and then the Wooden Wonder that was the de Havilland Mosquito. The squadron was well known, particularly since its Australian commanding officer had been awarded the Victoria Cross, Britain's highest award for bravery. Their Commodore, Sir Huey Edwards, then a squadron leader, had led his squadron of Blenheims on Operation Wreckage in 1941 against the port of Bremen, one of the most heavily defended towns in Germany. Edwards' force of 12 Blenheims attacked at low level through a maze of wires, cable and enemy fire. As his citation recalls, Flying at a height of little more than 50 feet, passing under high-tension cables, carrying away telegraph wires and finally passing through a formidable balloon barrage, on reaching Bremen, he was met with a hail of fire, all his aircraft being hit and four of them being destroyed. Nevertheless, he made a most successful attack and then with the greatest skill and coolness withdrew the surviving aircraft without further loss. Wing Commander Edwards, although handicapped by a physical disability resulting from a flying accident, he had been very badly injured, abandoning a crippled aircraft, when his parachute had tangled with the radio aerial and he was dragged down into the crash. He repeatedly displayed gallantry of the highest order, impressing home bombing attacks from very low heights against strongly defended objectives. George was 29 when he was part of a raid on the U-boat pens at Flensburg in Denmark, but they were forced to move to a secondary target, the railway yards at Tuna. They were following the railway lines north when they found a train to attack, but then they were engaged first by anti-aircraft fire and then by a Messerschmitt BF-109 and brought down. Apparently, George tried to crash land in fields close to a river. The aircraft hit the ground and then continued careering on for over a mile, ploughing through wires and hitting banks until it broke up. One of the crew was killed during the crash and the other seriously injured. It died on the way to a hospital. Within three months, both of these brave men were dead. Richard's body was returned to the village of Wybunbury in Cheshire, where he was buried with full military honours in the churchyard of St Chad. George's body remained in Denmark, in Forfelt Cemetery, Jutland, not far from the location of the crash. 
What follows are the words of Father J.P. Landy, a chaplain in the Royal Canadian Air Force, and is inscribed on the Bomber Command Memorial Wall in Nanton, Alberta. The wall bears the names of both Richard and George Hughes. Three thousand miles across a hunted ocean they came, wearing on the shoulder of their tunics the treasured name Canada, telling the world of their origin, fashioned by their maker to love, not to kill, but proud and earnest in their mission to stand, and if it had to be, to die for their country and freedom. One day, when the history of the 20th century is finally written, it will be recorded that when human society stood at the crossroads and civilization itself was under siege, the Royal Canadian Air Force was there to fill the breach and help give humanity the victory. And all those who had a part in it will have left to posterity a legacy of honour, of courage and of valour that time can never despoil. In addition to all the impressive memorials that exist to these brave men, at the location of the crash there is a small marker reminding us of one man who gave his today so that we may have a tomorrow. I pass it regularly and often think of Richard Hughes and his sacrifice and the loss that must have been felt by his family in Argentina. As we approach the 11th of the 11th, Jilly and I have a little tradition, and we place a cross on the marker, lest we forget. Plain Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find us at airlinepilotguy.com.